This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Dojo Live. This is our second show for today, Wednesday, January 13th, 2020. I am Tulio Suragusa, broadcasting live from Southern California. And I'm joined today by Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico, and Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, our co-hosts and co-producers. Welcome back, guys. And of course, we do this for our guest. And we have Andrea Clough who is the engineer whisperer. We're going to looking forward to speaking with you, Andrea. Thank you for joining us. And let's get right to it. Let's get to know you a little bit. If you could please introduce yourself before we go into the topic. It's an interesting topic today, which a lot of people are curious, right? You know, why software engineers cannot say no? Some people might say, yeah, that's true. And some people are like, what do you mean I can't say no? So but before we go into that, let's get to know you a little bit, Andrea. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, thank you for inviting me. Our pleasure. Yes, um, I'm originally Hungarian, grew up in Romania, and then uh, through a high school friend who, I thought that she's joking, invited me to the US for a summer, and um, and I'm living right now in Seattle. First I came to uh, Arizona. So yeah, I thought that I'm gonna just come here for a little bit. That's what I told my mom. Um, and then I got stuck. So um, here I am now, working with engineers, build, yeah, corporate career, family. And um, last year, I was, I dared to tell my mom that I will probably not return home, that I will be okay. So you can stop worrying about me now. That's about me. Awesome. Well, welcome, and we're glad you stayed. Uh, tell us a little bit, a little bit about your company. It's Explore to Expand. Tell us what you do. Yes. So, <laughs> what do I do? I've been thinking about this. How to answer that today? Um, in one sentence, I transform good engineers into great engineers because of what I believe engineers are and what they're capable of. Uh, my mission is to let everybody know, including the engineers, uh, that engineers help us live our life to the fullest and to feel us and to feel alive. And everything that I do, um, working with groups, with executives, workshops, one-on-one -on -one coaching, are all around this mission. So that's what I do. Um, for a little bit more tactical, maybe some of you around the world have watched um, um, the show. Oh, I'm missing it now. Um, America Got Talent. And sometimes Simon stops somebody on the in the middle of singing. Of, oh, wait, wait, that doesn't sound like that's the song for you. I think you're capable of more. Is there another song you prepared? So. Sometimes that's what I do. I believe in people and when they show up and don't show up fully, I'm there to be that Simon for them, to bring the best out of them. That would be kind of a fun analogy. I like it. Simon also beats up people too, so hopefully you don't do much of that. But anyway, <laughs> thank you for the introduction. Thanks for letting us know. So let's go right into it. Kim, would you please introduce the topic? 
let's go right into it. A lot of great questions already popping up, I'm sure. Great. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Tulio. And thank you for being here, Andrea. So the topic that you chose today is why software engineers cannot say no. It's not about how to say no, but rather about what to say yes to. Now, Andrea, when I read your tagline today, the first thing that came to my mind, and sorry, the rated G version is going to go away here, um, but there's a TED Talk called the art of not giving a well i'll just say the art of not giving an f right the f word mm -hmm. and i don't know if you've watched that ted talk or not and i really appreciated it it's a book too yeah and so <laughs> she talks about what we're gonna spend our f bucks on right and part of that is her telling us to say no and she mentions if you say no at the wrong time then you can be a jerk right but if you say no appropriately and with valid reasons and let your essentially like let your yes be yes and your no be no, we should feel free to say no and feel free to decide what we're going to spend our time and energy and money on. And so that's the first thing that I kind of related your tagline to. So my question is, before we get on to the decision making of what to say yes to, or at least later on, I would really like to talk about how to say no. From my experience, a lot of times engineers tend to have more introverted personalities, right? And so saying no is hard for everyone, but particularly those who tend to be more introverted. So how can we say no? Hmm, well, that's, that's usually when my clients look for me and find me, Andrea, I wanna learn how to say no. And I chose this topic today because of my experience of, of them being stuck on that. Just like when somebody, again, going back to Simon, picks a song and then thinks that that is what will highlight who they are. Um, so in most of the cases when engineers, again, my experience, are focused on how to say no is because they never focus on, on what to say yes to. So your question of how to say no, um, there are many strategies. They're also the strategy that I love of not even saying no, um, not using the word no, um, but being very explicit of what you want. But it all starts with knowing what you want. So I have to admit, yesterday Carlos posted this question on our Slack channel and said, is it true that you engineers don't know how to say no? And all the answers were yes, 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 yes. It was funny, <laughs> but it's like, it was like, so so why specifically? I'm curious. He was, he was, a, he was a teaser to you, just so that you I know. know. I know, you know I know. That. You know yeah, that. Clearly, clearly. But it was just funny that everybody was like saying yes. Now, it could be everybody's playing along. But I'm curious, what's unique about engineers, software engineers, that makes it harder for them to say no versus other people? What's your experience in terms of some unique characteristics about them that that you know stands out that enables you to help them through that? Well, I hope a lot of them are listening right now. The first one that comes to my mind, and I, I tell them all the time, you guys are so dedicated to what you're doing. It's almost to the level of you want everybody to feel that way and to have that dedication. So when when people are not at that level, then it's like, well, I don't understand. Why aren't you so dedicated to this pro to this project and to, to finding the best solution and 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 working on it all night long while you worked on it all day long? 
Um, but I, I think it comes to the, what I have found about them is this real, they are so caring. So when somebody on their team or even outside of their team or their boss asks them to for help, then they are having a hard time saying no. Of course, I'm going to help you. I'm going to just pile all this work on me on top of all the projects that I have, and I'm going to help you too. And if my wife wife is asking me to do something, pick up the kids in the afternoon, I will put that on me too. I will not say <laughs> no to her either. Um, so what I have found is just this really amazing uh, heart. I'm going to put it how I... I sense it and what I've learned about them, that um, that they don't show to everyone though. So that's why I love working with them. Heart, the heart of an engineer. So let's talk about the art of saying yes. And I think if I understood you correctly, the foundation here is learning how to say yes and identifying what to say yes to. So is there like a process or questions or some way that we can discover of what yeses are going to bring most value to ourselves, most value to our teams, our companies, our families, our lives in general. How do we say yes? yes? What do we say yes to? Yes, yes, there is. I've developed a, a four-legged process that stands on values, beliefs, knowledge, and skills. And um, if you work on all of those, when you when you know what your values on or then um, it's like going to the grocery store and let's say I want to eat healthy. You won't go and pick up a candy. You will go, I don't know, pick up kale or some vegetable or a fruit. So it's your focus becomes very targeted and very intentional. Interesting. Of course, uh, sometimes you need a little candy for some mental health from that moment. So. <laughs> Of course. <laughs> right? Could be could be healthy if it's helping you. There was a the whole study about people eating sugar that actually lowers your ability to say no if you have too much sugar. But that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> uh, so okay, so interesting. I want to go back to the comment you made about uh you discovered that working with engineers, they have big heart, but they don't always show it. And this mm -hmm. conjured up this idea of like what people choose as career paths, right? Some, you know, people go to be a, become a doctor because they want to make a difference. They want to save lives, become a scientist to discover new cures or what have you. There's always some noble intention behind the pursuit of one's career. And someone could go into a career because they want to make a lot of money and that's okay too. But what I'm hearing is you know, I often think engineers, they go into that career because they want to build stuff. They want to solve problems. But if you're saying that the majority have a have a, uh, have a big heart, so what's the underlying driver behind someone wanting to be an engineer? Is What, are you, what have you discovered in, in your conversations with them? Is there a thread in terms of their desires in life uh, as to what drives them? Hmm. Good question. Um, what I have noticed about them and as I'm working with them um, is the driver for them is to be helpful. And by, again, they're thinking differently than non-engineers. So I want to, the engineering way is that if I help you, the world would be a better, better place. 
So they understand that just helping one person through that one person through that, fixing one problem, but the right problem, that will benefit so many people. It's that spillover effect. They understand that the big picture contains small pictures, small puzzle pieces. Now, I'm talking about the great ones here. So if I lost you, maybe you're on your way to greatness. Um, the idea is that in order for engineers to really be great, they have to step it up. They have to take risks. They have to believe in their creativity that all of them have, not to paint a picture or to sing a song, but the way they, they are with people, how they move between the people and the analytic side of the world in, in an organization. And then what else? Um, the big one is believing in themselves. When they're loyal, loyal to who they are and what their values are, there isn't, I want to say, there, there isn't an error message that shows up that what you do is not what you want to do. You go to work, you do your work, you get up in the morning because you want to get up in the morning. Amazing. Carlos got a question, but I just wanted to quickly add, I had this idea yes. of, you know, software is, is publishing, right? So what you're really saying is engineers are actually at heart artists, right? The creativity is like an artist. Go ahead, Carlos. I know you have some questions. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I just got distracted. There's a Ruben pop in. Yeah, Andrea, I have a question. <clears throat> and, uh, you're uh, in a way you're encouraging engineers to learn how to say no, how to what to say yes to, and that kind of thing, which is great. But as Julio says, especially those who uh, see themselves as artists, as people who are creating really really cool things on and through lines of codes. But my question is, what would you say to uh, an engineer who sees a problem? that needs some form of uh, problem solving through code, their code lines. But at the same time, and this is because at the, at the end of the day, software companies are in business to do business and they have clients. So what would you say to a software developer who wants to say no, but he's, he's saying no might hinder the relationship with the client? Uh, how can this be solved without, with a lot, without a, as, as little as bloodshed as possible? Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, that actually a client asked me that. How can I tell this customer that this is not what they want mm -hmm. and this is what they really want? Um, would, would this be the, the art of pushback? <laughs> Is this what we're talking about? This is what I'm understanding. I don't know. Maybe we'll go there. I don't know. Um, the art of pushback. I haven't heard that one. But so. let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> oh, no, no. They would never tell. I I, I, mean, I, I think just a, a few percentage would, would actually face the client, Carlos. This is all in their mind. It's all going on in their mind. Never, huh. never or with their coach. So that's why I hear all the stories. But, but never with others. Um, no, in reality, it's all going on in their mind and they're going like, okay, what do I do? How do I convince this person? What's the influence? How can I influence this person right now? And um, 
what I work with them is, is the second part is figure out what the customer is saying yes to before you say no to them. Because if you do in that situation, it's going to be conflict. And that no engineer wants conflict. They just want to solve for the with the best solution, the right problem with the best solution. That's all what they want. And in that case, there's some disconnect of what the how the customer sees the solution or the possibilities. So what I do is I, I turn kind of the engineer, if you can see, if, if, I, if the engineer would sit on the, in the chair, I would just turn them around and, and okay, now put your back to the customer and just listen, what's their, what's their yes? Explore that. And in that exploration, actually, you're gonna guide the customer to say no themselves. Interesting. I see, thank you. Okay, so let me see if I'm hearing this correctly. The tendency is to internalize what's being asked and you know and react to it based on either fear or uh, the sort of idea that I know better. Uh, you know, this sort of comment that Kim made, let me tell you why you're wrong, right? So there's a little bit of that and there's egos involved. But what I'm hearing is to just stop for a second and try to listen to what the desire is of the other individual and try to see how you can fulfill that desire while still being committed to yourself and your ideals. Is, is, that, is that on the mark? Can you elaborate a little bit more? It's a part of listening and asking questions. So bringing the curiosity in where, yes, your ego wants to go, okay, I know better, so let me tell you. And that's the good engineer. The great engineer notices that there's, I'm about, I'm conflicted internally. And if I am conflicted, the client is conflicted too. Because the client senses that the engineer wants to tell them otherwise. So um, from a point of respect, the engineers would never um, cross that line of you're the client and I'm gonna tell you. So Kim, to your question, uh, my experience engineers don't do that. I'm sure there's some percentage to do, but in overall general, they're not. They're very respectful person. They always care about the other one, even if they think that they know better and the other one is wrong. Right. And But I guess my question for you is, at what point is this something that engineers should be doing, right? Of course, we need to have... Um, you know, soft skills and self-awareness and conversation in order to, let's say, push back appropriately. But going from the title here of not knowing how to say no, wanting to be able to say yes to the right things. And so in part of that process of identifying, should I then be able to tell you, no, I'm sorry, that can't be done, or no, that I don't think it can be done in the time frame that you're requesting, or I believe that this would be a better alternative, uh, what are the options here for, is, is that the process of, be, of going from good to great? Like, should it be happening? And if it should be happening, how do we make that transition? What's the type of conversations or the approaches that could be used? Yes, yes, it, all those are part of it because you shift your mindset into wanting to know what the client wants in that situation. Even if it's the time frame, is the time frame set or is there some flexibility? 
if you really want that, what are you willing to give up for that? Um, if I do that, how much time do you want to, you want me to put into this one and what do you want me to let go? What, some other projects? Um, so yes, just starting that conversation is already, um, what I'm finding it's giving engineers the heads up that it's that space that they're not willing to enter unless there's somebody next to them who um, they can talk talk through first. It's a, let's test it out and then I'll go do it. Okay, so I'm listening here and I feel like I just had a bit of an epiphany because uh, what I heard, this is obviously applicable, not just for engineers, right? This is good skills for all of us to have. What I heard, at least this is how I'm interpreting it, is when you hear a client say, okay, this is what I want to do, rather than quickly pushing back why that's not going to work or you know, going into this mindset of how do I convince them, how do I say no, shift the context to how do I say yes? In other words, how do I get to the same place you are but communicate what the conflicts are? So it would be something like, I'd like to I'd like to say yes to that, and I'd like to get to where you are and your thinking is, but here's the conflicts I'm facing. Here's what I think the hurdles are. Can we work through them so we get to the same place? Because as of right now, I see a big hurdle. Is that what you're suggesting? Instead of finding how to say no, find how to get to the same place and do that through dialogue. Is is, is that what you're suggesting? Uh, am I oversimplifying this? <laughs> No, th this is what I'm saying, and thank you for bringing it up. And it just came to my mind that in the background are my kids, and and um, I, I bring family and kids all the time in my coaching. So think about it this way, too, Leo. That you have a small child, or as my teenagers walking back there, um, but I have a three-year-old too. So my my three-year-old says, "I would like to go to the park today," and I say, "Well, I have this call. Um, mommy has to work. <clears throat> How am I going to do that?" And then she says, okay, you'll finish the call and you'll do that. And then we're going to go. So instead of me telling her, no, we're not going right now. I'm going to meet her there. Just like what you said, we're in a very simplified version. They figured out what are my needs. And, and then we meet in the same place. Brilliant. All right, software engineers, you listening? The question is, how are we going to get to the park? <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. Everybody wants to play. I don't know about you. But... Yeah, I'm not an engineer, but I'm finding a lot of value in what Andrea is saying. So definitely there is a lot to be applied to. Maybe not to other realms in life. I don't know. <laughs> and let me just allow me to bring in actually stay with the park for a minute. Because fun and being playful is very important. And, and we talked about engineers being, create, being creative and in some way artists. And I do believe in that. They just have to find what their artistry is. Um, but without this playfulness, and just like we're talking right now, without the playfulness, it could sound these conversations are finding each other's commonplace and then saying yes or saying no. Um, could feel like we are on different planets and then we are about to fight each other. But with the playfulness, everything shifts. There are different feelings that show up. 
And well, one of the things engineers have a hard time talking about what they feel, but we all feel them. I believe that they feel it too. And only when they feel, okay, I'm happy. This is, it's not some, you're not about to fight me and I don't need to stand up for myself um is where both of the the client and the engineer then can find that how we're going to get to the park so my question for you and i think one of the things that you said today that really stood out to me was the question of what is their yes right so what is their yes how can i either get myself to also say yes to this or perhaps how could i get them to say no but what are the questions or what types of things should we be thinking about as we're discovering what's the yes? Do you have like a guide of, of, of I don't know, like some type of, you know, top three questions or areas? Where should we be shifting our mind to discover what the yes is? Mm -hmm. So first it would be, again, to check in. What mode am I operating right now? Do I feel like I'm being threatened or can I play or am I in fear? So just check in with, with ourselves of, am I stressed or am I excited? Because there's a, they're very close in feeling, but which one we choose to feel is our choice. From a neurological point of view, they're very close. So just check in, where are you? Um, and then check in, what is the reaction that you, you want to do? Because there's a, reaction and the response the reaction is automatic it's as you said ego driving us we want to feel safe we want to be respected we want autonomy we want uh, to feel that we belong um, so all those when they're threatened then our response comes out um, so then the third one i would say part of the process is just stop just stop talking and just notice notice what's going on inside and what notice what's going on out there and with the pause notice how because if you're uncomfortable maybe they're uncomfortable maybe they're not uncomfortable and the curiosity can show up how come they're not uncomfortable what do they believe that i don't notice right now well, I got to tell you, this has been an interesting conversation. And I, you know, you touch on the heart of the really heightened sense of emotional intelligence, right? We, we've been wired for so long to think right or wrong, yes or no, instead of that, you know, there's ways to come to a common ground by addressing the blockages, which are typically our own, right? So uh, I kept thinking, gosh, you need to change your target market from engineers to the people in Congress right now and maybe help them figure out how to communicate with each <laughs> other and come to common ground, um, which, which, you know, I love this because it assumes the other person has a desire that's valid. It doesn't instantly invalidate the other individual. So there's, there's digging and it's dignifying the other individual saying that whether their desire is difficult to achieve or not, it is valid. It's valid for them. And then finding a way to get past the hurdles that you personally have to achieve that. And in that process is where collaboration and understanding takes place. And whether the outcome turns out to be exactly what that person desired and you got there or that person 
adjust their outcome based on the dialogue, everybody wins that way instead of a all or none mindset. Uh, it's been a great, great conversation so far. We're coming up on time. So Andrea, why did you choose to go down this path? What triggered you to want to do this? Was there some experience that you had in your own personal life that said, you know what, this is what I want to do and this is what I want to help people with? We're curious to learn that. Yes. Um, I have two experiences. One, I almost got hit by a car. Um, I was in, I was coming, picking up my kids from school and they were in the back seat and I was at a light, at a you know, traffic light and that I crossed many times and it was green for me and I entered, but I've just, I just kind of partially seen that there's a car coming and was coming, wasn't stopping. And I thought in that moment that I, I, I'm going to be done, that it's going to hit me. It, it was coming fast that it, that I'm going to die. And just a few seconds of, you know, life kind of running through um, as a film. And, and then the next moment when I opened my, my eyes and, and I, I saw the, the fellow drivers in the intersection all staring at me and I wasn't sure if I'm alive or not. Um, but what got me through was uh, my, my son in the back saying, mom, your brakes worked. And all what I could say is my brakes worked. And I drove home and I understood later on that day that the brakes worked because somebody has designed them to work. And they worked and they saved my life. And that's kind of what engineers do when they do great job. They might not understand why they're doing it, their little part, but when all the parts are working, I'm saved, my kids were saved, and so many people are saved in the world. So that was my first one. The second one was that when I was growing up in Romania, we regularly, or I guess irregularly, they would just shut the lights off, the water would be off, and, and we would be in the dark with no water, no electricity. Um, so growing up, I understood everything that I wanted was designed and created by engineers. So again, I work with engineers because I tell them like Simon, that song that you chose, that belief that you chose to believe right now, that what you do doesn't make any sense or you have no purpose um, is wrong. You're singing the wrong song choose a different one, let's choose it together. I'll help you because I know that you're capable for more. So that is why. Well, it's, uh, we're glad that you uh, made this choice. We're glad that you exist. We appreciate having you on the show. We're up on time. We could go on for hours. This is a very interesting conversation. Andrea, thank you for being with us today. Just stay with us as we wrap up. Just wanted to mention, uh, we're gonna have a recap show. We don't have a show tomorrow, right, Carlos? No, tomorrow we don't have a show, unfortunately, to you because of what I mentioned. But uh, next week we do. Yeah, what do we got coming up next week? Yeah, to, well, to Leo, first of all, we have uh, two shows confirmed for next week, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday. The one on Tuesday will be with the CEO of Zet, uh, an online language learning platform 
I don't have the topic yet. It's very recent, so I'll be on the lookout for that. And the same goes for, um, topic-wise, the same goes for the one on Thursday, which will be with uh, Beth Porter. And she was actually um, already with us on Dojo Live. So this will be her second interview on Dojo Live. And she is the founder and CEO of Riff. Riff, Riff Analytics, formerly known as Reef Learning, which is a social learning platform for people and company, companies. So that's what we have, and it'll be happening right here on Dojo Live next week, Tuesday and Thursday at 12 noon. All right, great. Well, we'll see you all back on Monday for the recap. Oh, the show. recap show. Yes, I almost at forgot about at that. 12 noon, no problem. At 12 yeah. noon, where we recap this week's three shows. We have three shows this week. We'll recap at noon yes. on Monday. See you then. Stay Thank safe, you. everyone. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.